So, yes, welcome, welcome, <laughs> right, welcome back um, to our interesting times in Chew All Red. <laughs> yeah, guys, we are coming to you in a whole new format. We're trying Zoom out. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully this works. If it doesn't, we tried. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Pay for effort, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, Tamara, do you want well, to introduce what we're yeah, doing? Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously quarantine was difficult, but it got even more difficult when um, we all had to watch the traumatic video of George Floyd being need, um, by, need on by a police officer. Of course, my cats choose now to, like, start attacking each other. Um, but that video was really sobering and it definitely shed another light on police brutality in our country. Um, and basically we didn't feel comfortable continuing our season. Um, we did have more episodes for you and we still do They'll They'll still be coming eventually, but we just kind of felt the need to take a step back and honestly to discuss how we're feeling and um, what's going on in our world right now. Right, so we wanted to do what we're calling this mini season of She Well Read, where we talk about those issues along with some experts that we know of in our community and just people we've connected with. So first up, is Miss Lacey um, from Basic Shop. And Sam, you probably do a way better introduction than I would. So I'm going to let you go for it. You know, you did a great job. We love Lacey here. (laughs) Uh, Lacey's actually my boss at Basic, um, which is on Morris Avenue in Birmingham, downtown. And the great thing about Basic is that they only source ethically and sustainably made clothing. So it's something very unique in this part of, you know, I mean, it's Alabama, so it's not like we're extremely progressive around here. Don't say. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, surprise. Surprise! <laughs> um, so Lacey brings something really refreshing to the South, in my opinion. And, you know, also, we think that her perspective is not only extremely educated, but also refreshing just like her clothes so check (laughs) out basic come see us yes please do Mm -hmm. i'll greet you with a smile underneath the mask that i'll be wearing right right gotta stay safe right 100 yes so what Lacey is going to be talking with us today about is having her shop in downtown birmingham uh during this time and also just some insights that she has and wants to share. Um, So we're gonna let Lacey take over. Yeah, hey everybody. Um, First of all, super thankful to have been invited on She Will Red's podcast. Um, And especially to talk about stuff that's really, really important, right? Like it's, it's often, oh, and for everybody who doesn't know this out there, I am a white woman. Um, And I am a white woman who comes from significant privilege. 
um, because not only does my skin color not make my life harder, but I also had parents who could afford to send me to college um, when my scholarship ran out after the first year. And um, I have, I had an education that then gave me such the ability to network myself and put myself in a position even when I came out of school 10 years ago during the financial crisis that was happening at that point, I was still able to get a job even though millions of people were out of work. Um, so like I look the right way, I sound the right way, um, my resume reads the right way. And, and so for, for that reason, um, I think it's important for people like me to be able to have hard conversations about what's going on right now, not only as a business owner, but just as a human. Um, being a small business owner in the, in the last like five months has been the weirdest thing that have, I could have ever um, imagined. We were not expecting this. We were not expecting this, <laughs> even kind of. We had had this whole like, you know, beginning of the year, um, basic kind of meeting at the shop where we were all energized about these different projects and stuff we were going to be pushing forward. And then all of a sudden, skirt, um, I got right. I got put on pause for a second. So, um, so, so like, where are we right now? I mean, like it's a real thing, right? Everything that's been going on in the last four five, six months, um, also, it's a real thing what's been going on the last 400 to 500 years. Um, but being a small business owner in the last five months has had a lot of different ups and downs. Like not only have business owners had to lay off entire workforces or some of them have been able to retain X number of employees and, and at least do this kind of business now. Um, for me personally, it's been a really, really challenging time, but it's also been a time of incredible creativity. Like wow. we've watched businesses have to take a step back from what they were already, already doing, which we live in a, in a society that, that is dominated by business, right? Like the businesses dictate what they're going to sell and what they're going to offer. And then we, and then they sell them to us. It's not necessarily as consumer driven as we would necessarily like to think from a psychological standpoint, I don't think. Um, and so it's required businesses to have to st take a step back and look at like, where can we be more efficient, which generally means that they're more environmentally efficient, um, economically efficient. Where can we better serve our customers if, if they, if it's a restaurant who didn't have any sort of an online ordering option, maybe they added that and added curbside pickup. We um, were able to roll out our secondhand program a little bit faster to make it more financially accessible across the board. People have added givebacks where, where we didn't have this like radical transparency before now there's been this mic this this light shined on business and and how it operates and how we can change it to be both better for consumers and better for the world and and like more efficient for everyone and quite frankly i'm here for that that part of it it's something that is needed to happen for a really long time um for those of you that 
that don't know me, which is probably a lot of the people listening, given that I'm a bit older than y'all. Um, I was a financial advisor, right? I was a financial advisor um, all through my twenties. So when I talk about the privilege of my education, education having provided me a job when a lot of other people didn't, like it was a good job, um, and I d- wasn't really qualified for it. But you know, there again, I, I looked the part and I sounded the part. Um, and I'm really smart. So it wasn't that once I got in there, I couldn't figure it out and all the rest of it, but I legitimately let myself be absorbed into a system just to be able to make money within it. And I sacrificed so much of my value system in doing so that what watching accountability in business after having seen literally what is like the wild, wild west of the stock market, it, it is so refreshing to me to watch leadership coming from the, from what we consider the quote unquote bottom, right? Like it's the small businesses that are leading this push for accountability for now they're donating a portion of sales of this to this. Now we're going to do this more um, economically. Now we're going to add, I mean, and that's been driven from the bottom and it's been driven from both small businesses and consumers, particularly over the last four or five months, because my generation millennials and y'all's generation have both, we've had more time on our computers, more times on our phones. Like we've been able to demand a lot more and we're now seeing these larger companies have to kind of fall in line and they're having to answer for things that they've done and things that they have not been accountable for. And quite frankly, I'm here for that too. Like it's, it is beyond past time for businesses who make the most money and are taxed the least for them to actually start being accountable for their footprint in some way. And like, I don't care if that is a give back to the world from a planet standpoint, from a people standpoint, or from, I don't even know something else that benefits everybody. There just needs to be so much more of a corporate responsibility component of how our capitalism is allowed to operate. Um, And so I have found that the last few months as a business owner, while super, super, super stressful because I am responsible for um, one person's full-time income and three other people's supplementary income, um, it's scary, right? Like that thought that you get to the end of the month and you might not be able to pay the people that have helped you build your business and help you build your dream. But it's been worth the discomfort of worrying about the finances to have seen this radical shift in business in such a short amount of time. So from like the small business owner standpoint, it's been kind of cool. Um, and I do what? That's a unique perspective, you know, because you could have easily said it. It's just been, it's been hard. Like this year has been hard. Um, you know, like, like we, we all know, I mean, at least we all know in this little group, Lacey's always coming in with a refreshing opinion. Like, yeah, I, I think that this year is a year of reckoning. And when you, when you mention like things are being brought up from companies past and things like that, I'm seeing it happen to people this year, to companies, uh, politicians, the, the lot, you know, everybody absolutely getting dug up so i i've said a couple of times that 
this will, if, if it's not branded this way, then we all missed a huge opportunity. Um, but that 2020 is going to have been such a revolutionary year that we will be able to say hindsight is 2020. And whether or not we learn from that, who knows, right? Like, I'm, by, by what's happened over the past few weeks, what's happened over the past few months, I feel like we're going to have learned from it. Like, I feel like we are finally coming out of the fog. And by we, I mean, uh, people that look like me, because people of color have always not been in the fog um, because people of color have not had the privilege to be in the fog, but everybody is now being forced to confront the actual reality of how broken our system is. Mm -hmm. And this is not coming from a Democrat standpoint or a Republican standpoint, a conservative or a liberal. This is coming from the standpoint of our government was built for a country that is not, that is not the same. We have significantly greater population density and technology makes the biggest difference in how you should have and how you should be able to govern a country. Like the fact that we've had all this, the, I don't know if y'all saw that in Atlanta for the primaries yesterday, like there were all sorts of problems with these new voting booths and they couldn't work and they didn't have enough paper ballots for everybody. So it was like this, like, there's no reason that in 2020, when we have the technology capability that we do, that that, that that kind of stuff should be happening. And also just our voting system is not built for 2020 anymore either. Um, and and it's, it's been cool because having watched the shift in small business and big business, that tells a bigger story, right? It tells a systemic story of how much things need to change. Like, if, if you were the business, like Patagonia has been such a trailblazer in terms of corporate responsibility and sustainability, pretty much the entirety of, of their brand existence. And the autobiography of Yvonne Chouinard, their owner is phenomenal for anyone who ever wants to read it. Um, yeah, it's, you'll like it. It's real good, Samra. But, but, you know, like they were such a unique kind of outlier and they became like the quote, you know, granola company or whatever, because they had this thought from the beginning that responsibility should be part of capitalism. Mm -hmm. um, and so while, again, I said it's not Democrat or Republican, it's that we just have this system that's been exposed for, for not really serving anyone it's because everything is so inefficient, like hate yields inefficiency, right? And our system is a system that regardless of what anyone wants to trick themselves into believing, our system is a system built on hate. Mm. So, right. And just That's to just clarify, the, that is that on that, right? But the fog you were talking about, let's yeah. just be clear, ignorance, that's the fog. Like I was going to say, well, so, and the cool thing now is that the people that you see that are still in the fog, mm -hmm. like I actively, I look at them and I actively think you have chosen this at this point, you are choosing to be this willfully ignorant. Right. And that says all I need to know about who you are. Mm. That says all I need to know. It means that you are, that, that you're so trapped in your own fear and the possibility of feeling guilt about a system that you have undoubtedly benefited from. Mm -hmm. 
that you just are, are so scared that you will not confront it. And that is going to be the outlier at the end of 2020, you know, like that will not, that will be the weird thing to be. That will be the thing that people look at and judge negatively. Not those of us who have been shouting, please, dear God, this is a stupid universe we live in. Somebody listen to truth, you know, like we'll have, we'll have been right guys. It's phenomenal. <laughs> right. Right. I want to see it. Like the tables are turning. They, they really and truly feel like they are like, we got to keep up the momentum. Um, and, and to talk about one of the, the other topics that y'all really wanted to touch on, like that, that requires white people to do that. So the community of color has been working for people to listen to every message of inequality and oppression and systemic um, systemic just bigotry really for centuries and like it's not the responsibility of people of color to change the minds of white people it's white people's responsibility to change the minds of white people because we're the ones that built the system in the first place like black people are tired and I know I don't have to tell either one of y'all that um, it is, it is, it's time, right. Like it's time for us to, to take up that, that mantle and make sure that we carry it through into November and that it is that we are mobilizing, like voting has got to be next level big. And like that on, from a small business owner perspective, like we're going to be closed on election day. We will all be available to give rides to anybody from anywhere who wants a ride to any voting poll. Um, Election day should be a national holiday. That's something that's going to have to be more federal. Basic can't mandate that, but you know, it'd be awesome if we could. Um, but it's going to require, and 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 to to my to my fellow, uh, like I said earlier, woke white people out there. Here's the deal. This is something that people of color understand that the the newly indignant white person does not. This is a marathon, like. My generation, the millennial generation, while we are significantly more progressive than the ones that have come before us, we have now been allowed to grow into full adulthood with racism still being a completely existing construct of our society, right? Mm -hmm. So like it's going to take until at least past us for us to have have any hope for that to not exist in its entirety anymore. And what that means is that people that look like me are going to be doing this work if we're really committed to it for the rest of our lives, just like people of color have been doing. And so I encourage everyone, keep educating yourselves, keep yelling from the rooftops, keep doing all of those things, but keep in mind that we're in it for the long haul here. This is going to continually be a thing, hopefully in significantly decrease, decreasing, you know, measures, but it's going to be something that we still have as conversation for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important that we do it. It's imperative that we do it. Powerful words. Mm -hmm. And I really like how you said this isn't something that we can, which I feel in the past, just let plateau. Absolutely. And then, you know, something happens that sparks all this rage and passion. Right. And then, you know, we go to trial, we go to court, we get a verdict, and then it just drops off again. Like right. we cannot allow it to drop off again. That's the problem. Absolutely. And also we, all, all of the main, all of the big 
conversations in terms of inequality for people of colors need to stay in the spotlight. Like the, the police brutality of black bodies is a hugely horrific problem, but also the death rate, the the death rate of black women is a huge problem. Pregnant black women, Mm -hmm. like there are a lot of portions of oppression of the color of the community of color in America that like, we allow to kind of float off to the sidelines there again until something big sparks outrage about it. And like, those are things we need to be talking about all the daggum time because it isn't all the time reality for people of color. They, people of color do not get to take a break from it. There is no, there is no, Oh, it's Tuesday and I don't want to confront this right now. So I can just change the channel. Like, It is, we need to be having everyday conversations about all of the intrinsic parts of racism that permeate our society. And it needs to be at our kitchen tables. It needs to be in our businesses. It needs to be out in the street. It needs to be on our social media because I don't care what people say about uh, putting words on social media is just throwing it into the ether. No, there are a lot of people that pay attention to social media. I mean, that, that's, that's just, it's, for the, for the old people that don't want to admit to themselves that social media is a real thing now, like it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that needs to be people that look like me for forever from now. <laughs> right. Right. We can only hope, you know, we can. And like, <laughs> I'll keep welcoming people in like here. Let me, let me, let me tell you about this. Let me teach I'll you about and and there's also like a hard truth in that too, which is you have to, you, everybody, we've all got to figure out the best ways to use our energy, right? Because like protecting our mental health during this time, huge. As a white person, has been horrific. I cannot imagine, as a person of color, how it's been. Um, mm. but protecting our mental health inside of all of this looks like pacing ourselves, you know. And it's the only way that we all don't also completely sputter out of all cares and hope and all the rest of it anyways. Like we got to spread that out because it's, it's got to last for a long time. Right. And shameless plug with the mental um, health aspect of it. We have another guest coming on. My therapist, actually, Dr. Tara Griffin, to kind of wrap up the series and talk about how do we handle things mentally. That's so, phenomenal. Like <laughs> I, Samra, I think said something earlier about, um, I, I give good perspective or something, but it legitimately is only because I've been in therapy since I was 17 years old. So like that I've been in therapy for almost 16 years and it is the single best thing I've ever done for myself because it has given me the ability to step outside of myself and think of things in a different way. Mm. And so for anyone who needs therapy resources, please reach out because I've got a lot of them. Wow. Um, that's, a and that's a great point. Um, that's literally therapy is just bouncing your idea off someone. And people think it, a lot of the times it seems scary because you're expecting them to judge you, but really they're just going to talk to you about it from a, until it, what's hearing it sometimes when someone else says it, back to you you immediately pick up on what's wrong with that you know and how can I how can I grow in the way I think so much well it helps you like be able to put your 
emotions on, well, let me, let me back up and say mental health is stigmatized for a reason. Like there are a lot of kooky people out there selling things as mental health that are not mental health, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also not a one size fits all thing. Like what's right for me is not necessarily right for you is not necessarily right for you. Um, like I tried out quite a few therapists before I landed on the one that I saw when I was in college, because like I walked into one woman's office and there were, there were all these bunnies jumping around everywhere and it smelled like animals. And then she wanted me to color and I was 20. So I was confused at that and it wasn't the right experience for me. Right. 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 (laughs) Um, so there are like, it's, it's super important that we stay on top of the mental health portion and talk about it too, because there, it isn't a one size fits all. And just because one therapist or one medicine or one um, behavioral strategy didn't work for you, doesn't mean something else can't. And I guarantee you, if you're, if like, if you're just persistent in finding something that works, it genuinely opens up your, I mean, it opens up your life. It opens up your mind. Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's challenging though, you know, when you go to someone and you're disappointed. And- oh, totally. And it's discouraging. Oh, yeah. Definitely. That's like the first therapist that I ever went to. I went to a couple sessions and I was like, oh my gosh, like I can already tell this isn't working for me. I don't know how to get out of this situation. I don't want to start this hunt all over again. Like Please, I'm just no. going to go back to talking to myself and calming my own self down and dealing with it. Um, even though I know that's the issue, like I need to talk to someone. Um, So it is very much, it's a challenge, it's a journey, but it's worth it at the end of the day. um, Once you find the right person and what, like you said, works for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So is there anything else that you wanted to, you know, shameless plug or speak about? So I, I mean, I think it's super important that everybody just stay open and everybody keep having hard conversations mm-hmm. and keep shining light in the dark places, um, regardless of how uncomfortable or tired. And we can take a pause, you know, everybody can step back for a minute and take a breath. Right. But mm-hmm. we've just got to keep at it. And particularly through this next voting cycle, um, November is really, really, really important. And like, here's the bottom line. Is my first choice an old white dude in the White House? Absolutely not. Like, I don't think it's anybody's first white or first choice to have an old white dude in the White House, except for old white dudes. Um, right. Legit. And some young redneck white, white dudes. <laughs> um, but, but like outside of that, it's not ideal. It's not perfect. But I also think that we are at this just absolutely history shifting point in time. And it would be incredible if we saw um, the nominate, the presidential nominee, whom we all know is is Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be incredible if we saw him announce his entire cabinet at the same time that he announces a VP candidate, because then he can truly show that he hears all of the voices that he represents. Mm 
Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's something that like, that's a conversation we can start getting going in the ether. So people, y'all start talking about it. Like, let's talk about what real transparency of government should look like. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to know your actual plans. Um, And we have to keep conversations like that. And we have to keep challenging um, local local politicians we have to challenge statewide politicians we have to challenge federal politicians to to really and truly speak for those of us who are the ones that pay their actual salaries mm-hmm. um and to just speak for anyone other than themselves really mm-hmm. um so the biggest thing is we got to stay on top of making sure people are registered to vote we got to yeah. have the the hard talks and one of the things that i probably don't talk enough inside of our business or outside of our business and how this actually does play into both of these conversations um, is that one of our greatest powers as a, as a human being is not just our, our vote, but it's our, our purchasing power. It's how we spend our money. And we, we essentially uh, cast a vote. There's a quote that says this, and I can't remember who said it, but somebody quote them that every, dollar that we spend is casting a vote for the type of world that we want to live in. And it's true. We have an option to support businesses that align with our value systems. We have an option to support businesses that are doing good in their communities. We have the options not to support businesses who will, who refuse to be accountable for their actions and for their footprint. And that in and of itself, when you start taking money away from people, they'll listen. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Ellen Smith is the one who said that. There we go. go. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. But yes, it's, that's, that's why I stopped buying fast fashion this year. And it feels great because there was the cognitive dissonance when you believe something and you're not living that, you know, you feel, you feel like and. It was yes. my entire yes. career in my twenties. <laughs> it's not a good feeling. It wasn't. It, it, it was no bueno. I wasn't into it at all. We're not here for that. So yeah, hundred percent voting, purchasing power. These are the ways that we as citizens can cast our vote. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so much. Questions. I have a couple questions. Yeah. Yeah. Book. Okay, let's see. Well, you did cover how it is being a small business owner in Birmingham. I wanted to highlight how many small businesses are coming together to do something bright and happy during this time, like the the Rotary Trail. They did yes, like the flowers around that, and all of the wall murals that are coming out. Actually, super glad you asked that. Yeah, I think it's beautiful, and I, I think that Birmingham's so special. I'm sure all cities, you know, do this type of thing, but I feel like it's a really community-driven type of agenda that Birmingham has. It is. It's so unique, and I love to see it, you know? We, you know, I, I tell people, we're, we're fortunate in where we're geographically located in our shop, right? Because we're like right downtown where all the hotels are. So we get a lot, a lot of transient, um, you know, weekend visitors, people coming in for conferences at any of the health systems or any of the um, financial companies that are based out of Birmingham. Um, and, and so we, we get 
exposure to a lot of people coming in from a lot of different places that, that walk in and they are always quick to, to say, Birmingham's so different than I thought it was going to be. And it is. Um, while we certainly live in an imperfect part of the world, Birmingham is called the magic city for a reason. And it's because, and to me, what it looks like is that in, in times of trouble, in times of strife, Birmingham is so aware of her history that she often comes together to prevent repeating it. And it's, and it's absolutely intentional, I think. And that's the most beautiful part of it. That's the most magical part of it is that it is a little bit more conscious because we know what our past is. And the city of Birmingham, people can say what they want about the rest of the, the state. The city of Birmingham is just like, there is so much life, there's so much talent, there's so much intelligence, there's so much art, there's so much community, there's so much good food, um, and just people from <laughs> every background, from all parts of the world, because of the health systems and finance companies that we have, um, and like, it, it is, she gets her Magic City name pretty well. It's well learned, um, and uh, it hasn't been totally surprising to me to see this just kind of like quiet coalition of businesses starting to do these things to kind of like spark hope, um, so that we don't forget how magical our city is and how and how it is a city that that tries to learn from its mistakes and that we can keep doing that. Um, that this is not you know this is not a hopeless time. This is a hopeful time. Right. So. Right. I love being in Birmingham. You're right. It's very different from anywhere else in Alabama. Absolutely. Thankful for it. Thankful for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one other question, but you know, feel free to answer this if you want or not. I wanted, I wanted to kind of know what your opinion is about companies whether in the fashion industry or just anywhere in general that are that seem almost disingenuine in their supporting of the black lives black lives matter movements and the statements that they're issuing maybe because they feel forced or right. maybe because they feel that they're going to profit off of this in some way um right. or lose money if they don't say something and kind of how you feel I don't know is there a good way to oh yeah um so like about that corporate responsibility I was talking about earlier and that I'm here here for it and glad to see it there are businesses prior to now who have been greenwashing themselves there are businesses prior to now who have been taking advantage of all all sorts of different movements like in particular last year um, I remember, I can't remember if it was Target or Walmart, somebody got a, a ton of flack and a ton of um, like negative feedback about having done a huge campaign for pride. And then they, they had no contribution to anything that does anything for any sorts of equality of rights. Mm -hmm. And, and they caught a lot of hell for that because it, like you're, you're profiting off of a movement that's, that, it, that has real intentional, valuable meaning, and it cheapens it when you do that. Mm -hmm. um, so 
I, I do truly believe that karma is a real thing. I believe that the universe um, takes the good energy that it is given and it redisperses that good energy to the good energy that it got it from. Mm. Um, and that that bad energy and the doing of the bad things generally doesn't end up working out all that well in the long run. Mm. Um, and I have to say that in this newly radically transparent world where we have camera phones and we have accountability via the internet and via all sorts of different um, really kind of channels now that it will be harder for companies to continue doing that. And I just encourage you to kind of look at the history of those companies before you decide that um, what they're saying does align with your value system make sure that it, it that it's a company who's truly walking the walk of the talk that they talk because that's super important and if if that's not being done then not only does it as i said cheapen the movement or lessen the the um effectiveness of the movement but it's unethical as all get out like it's just not like your karma is gonna suck at some point Fair. And you're right about the karma. It does come back to bite you. So like you can only be, and, and there are a lot of people that get away with being a bad person for a really, really, really long time. Like, like cough, cough, current, current big leadership. Um, <laughs> but like there, and but it, but it does genuinely come back pretty much in the same manner that all the good stuff happened to you. in. so like, if, if you've been able to get away with the karmic retri retribution for a long time, it's because it means a massive one is, head, is headed in your direction, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like on Twitter. Um, a lot of these people who are putting out these statements, they, and Twitter is so fast when they find things that, you know, they'll take the quote, they'll quote tweet whatever it was and be like, is this you? And <laughs> I find it's, it's funny the way that it happens, but it's, it's like... Is it? Is it? <laughs> right. Right. Or was that something different? But you know what? That's another, that leads to even a whole nother thing. Cancel culture. Because you should be allowed to learn and change your opinion and not be like, you know, crucified forever. I mean, you know. I, I, I agree with that to an extent. Like if you are somebody who has, who has, had this eureka oh my god holy cow i can't believe that this has actually been happening moment in the last few months and you are intentionally trying to learn and trying to listen and trying to actively engage in ways to change that current system then like i don't think that we all need to be the character police all the time mm -hmm. like it it is a it is an ongoing of the movement, you know. Do what? It distracts from the actual thing we're trying to accomplish. It does because ultimately we want as many people on the side of humanity as possible, right? right. And if we alienate the hearts that are willing to change, and I think that there are a lot more of them than we really hear because it's easy to sell the bad and the scary on major news networks. It's harder to sell the good and the kind. Mm -hmm. um, but in order to change hearts, 
unfortunately, a lot of times you have to meet them where they are. And in order to do that, there have to be open lines of communication and there has to be a willingness to say, I appreciate um, the fact that you're trying to be a better human and I'm going to hold you to it. Now I'm, I'm going to, you're going to be accountable for it from here on out. You have admitted that these things are truth. You have said, you have validated that this is, that this is real. And in doing so, you now have a responsibility for absolutely everything that you do going forward. Um, but I don't think to immediately, um, to just immediately say that someone is not teachable is ultimately productive for really anyone. Right. 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 That, uh, there are some people that are not teachable and you will be able to quickly identify them and you just do not spend any more energy on them. Right. Because you could be using for good. So sorry, what would you say, Sam's? No, yeah, I was just saying that's also a great point. Like both things are distracting from the larger purpose. So right. Like, it's like after you finish what you say calling out someone or you know, mm -hmm. you found this incriminating thing about them, it's like, all right, you called it out, you said what it is, they're caught. Now what are we going to do moving forward? What's the response? Right. Exactly. And then, and then we can judge based on their response, but, and I do think we should continue calling people out. Uh, yeah. Like the confrontation is a real thing and it is a real catalyst for change. Mm -hmm. um, and it's super necessary, especially for white people because white people love to not be confrontational except in their own service, um, which is particularly in the no, south no just go around, um, and around forever oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. dark side of hospitality uh, it's such a thing um it's such a thing but um we have to be able to teach the people that want to learn um at, because truly the best chance that we all have to get the better world that we want is to get as many people on board for it as we can. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. Any other good questions, ladies? Um, that was it for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I pretty, yeah, I pretty much spoke my piece, if you will, um, and asked what I wanted to ask as well. Is there any final comments, final thoughts? Um, that you wanted to say or uh, wrap keep up fighting the good fight folks keep keep reading it's so unbelievable what these yeah. women are have created in this space like it I think another I know I credited therapy but another one of the major reasons that I think in the way that I do is because I've been a voracious reader my entire life and so I've traveled to all ends of the world and have seen all different cultures and I've been in jungles and I've been in, you know, deserts and I've been on top of mountains and it's all been in my imagination and it's all been through learning. And in doing that, I feel so enriched and reading just has the ability to truly transform the world. Education has the ability to transform the world. And so I encourage everyone to keep educating themselves, keep learning, keep listening, keep reading. And if you are not registered to vote, you can do so on our website. 
Um, we've got a little announcement bar up at the top and you can just click right on there and get registered and DM us if you need a ride on election day. Heard that. Hear you. That's that on that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lacey, for taking Absolutely. the time thank you to speak with us. Um, and please, everyone, support Basic Shop downtown uh, Morris Avenue, correct? Yeah. Correct. Yep. Right by the essential, um, which they make great, they make great pastries, guys. Mm -hmm. If you haven't had their croissants, they're real good. <laughs> no, honestly, don't tell them because it's already busy enough as it is. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> that we'll let you go thank you so much again absolutely and to all of our listeners thank you for listening in thank you for tuning in we'll be back with more episodes and uh, as always my favorite shameless plug if you have any questions any feedback any comments oh. suggestions <laughs> email us at shewellreadqa at gmail.com and we would love to hear from you nice all right. Bye. Thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Please follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube to stay in the loop of all things She Well Read. And remember, if you have anything to add, comment, suggest, feedback, send it all to shewellreadqa at gmail.com. And for any business inquiries, send us an email to shewellread at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe, download, and leave a review for today's episode. And subscribe to us on any platform you listen to podcasts. We love you. Thanks again. Bye. Bye.